Well, happy Easter, guys. Oh my gosh, so responsive. I love that. That's so great. Um, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I got to be honest with you, though. Uh, last night as I was uh, going to bed and um, with my wife, uh, she kind of looked at me and she could tell that I was a little jittery. And so she asked me, are you nervous? And, uh, and she knows. She, you know, I've been a pastor for 20 years. I've spoken literally hundreds of times throughout my ministry. Um, but she knows that Easter is a big deal. And so, I, you know, that I still get a little bit amped up. And so she asked me, are you nervous? And I said, yeah, yeah, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. And she said, well, how nervous are you? And I'm like, well, gosh, babe, I, only, there's only one other time where I've ever felt like this nervous. And she's like, when was that? And I said, um, our, our wedding night, uh, actually. Uh, and, and she said, uh, oh, that's okay, baby. You'll do better this time. So, <laughs> so I asked her to go to a different church this Sunday. And so she's not here, but she sends her greetings. Actually, she's right there. So, okay. Um, it's not just Easter that's got me amped up, you guys. It's the topic that we're going to talk about today. It's the, the subject, the, the severity of the subject, the weight of the subject that we will be tackling because Easter is a big deal. And, uh, and what we're about ready to unpack is incredibly important. Uh, it affects every single one of us in this room. Heck, it affects every single person outside of this room. Easter is a big deal. And, and the funny thing when it comes to Easter, when it comes to preachers and pastors and communicators on a Sunday morning, and I don't want you to feel bad for me, but um, when you walked in, you already knew what I was going to talk about, right? There's no surprises on Easter. They're like, you're not like, oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. He rose again. What the heck? You know, it is a story that has been around for a long time. In fact, thousands of years, there's been movies made about it and there's been books written about the resurrection. And, and, and so it's kind of like old news. The resurrection's old news, but I want to propose to you today, if I could, that the old news is still good news. The old news is still good news. In fact, the old news is not only good news, it is the best news. It is the greatest news that has ever broke. Finding 20 bucks in your pocket after you wash your pants, that's, that's good news, right? Going to the dentist and finding out that you don't have cavities, that is, that's good news. Russell Wilson signing with the Seahawks for another five years. It's expensive, but it's very good news. Right? When you, uh, when you get engaged, or you buy a new house, or you find out that you're pregnant, depending on how many kids you have, that's good news. <laughs> it's good news. But the resurrection, you guys, it stands alone. It is life-altering. Stop the press. Stand up. I'm going to try to do a backflip, even if I can't do a backflip kind of news. It is the greatest news in the history of news. And some of you today might feel like, hey, this is fake news. But I'm telling you, the reality of the resurrection has changed everything. It split history. In fact, not only that, the resurrection is the pinnacle. It is the, the pinnacle of history, humanity, and even the pinnacle of eternity. The resurrection is the foundation of our faith. Without it, our faith, hear me, is meaningless. It's pointless. 
And these aren't just my words. These are the words of Apostle Paul. Look at what he says. He says, I didn't say that, or he said, or, or he said if Christ has not been raised um, our preaching, so what we're doing right now, what's happening here on Sunday is worthless. And so is your faith. Other translations use the word useless or vain or delusional. Our faith, you fr my friends, this is so important, is not based upon doing good or being good. Our faith is based upon, it is centered around a singular event. I don't believe the way that I believe simply because the Bible tells me so. I believe because of the resurrection. This is not a bedtime story. This is not a once upon a time. It's not a fairy tale. There were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses who, you know, not only saw what was happening, but they actually documented what they saw. So Peter's one of them. Peter's a former fisherman. Here's what he wrote about it. He said, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were, and here it is, eyewitnesses of his majesty. John was another guy who hung around Jesus. He literally wrote an entire documentation about Jesus' life and even a documentation about what happened after he left. He wrote it all down, what he witnessed. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is probably the greatest evidence of the resurrection that we have. I don't have a brother. How many of you have a brother? Let me ask you a question. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was God? <laughs> exactly. He would need to rise from the grave. That's what he would have to do. Paul, another eyewitness, recorded this. He says, for what I received, what I investigated, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he was, here it is, raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter. That's the fisherman we talked about. And then to the 12, which are the disciples, John would have been one of those. After that, he appeared to more than, catch this, 500 of the brothers at the same time. 500 witnesses at the same time. Most of whom are, and these are key words right here, still living. Although some have fallen asleep, meaning that they died. The reason that the words still living are super important is because what Paul was saying is, if you don't believe me that Christ raised from the dead, go talk to any of these people because they will tell you what they saw. And what's so great about that is if Paul was lying, they would have called him on it. They would have called him on it. On top of that, you've got Luke and Josephus who thoroughly investigated the event. Luke is a doctor who recorded his account of Christ's life and what happened and what happened, you know, when Jesus left as well. But he, uh, he, he went through interviewing witnesses on this. And then he wrote a whole entire manuscript on this thing. Josephus, to me, is probably the most interesting. He's a Jewish general who became a Roman historian. Here's what's crazy about him. He never claimed to be a Christian. He was never a follower of, of Christ. In fact, he documented eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection in the antiquities of the Jews. It is a book that is not in the Bible. And yet he documented the reality of the resurrection. Friends, the evidence is overwhelming, and that's just the eyewitnesses. It's a sliver of the confirmation of the greatest news that has ever broke. 
It is the greatest news. The old news is still good news. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look through the eyes of the very first eyewitness account, the very first person who got to share the good news. And her name is Mary Magdalene. And I'll give you a little history of her. Here's, here's a little background. She was healed by Jesus, right? She was healed by Jesus. And in response, she decided to help support Jesus's ministry. So like the disciples, what she'd do is she would follow Jesus around. Um, but unlike the disciples and unlike anybody else, she is the only human in history to be at all the three major events. Jesus's crucifixion, she was standing there. Jesus's burial, she watched him get put in the grave. And Jesus' resurrection, she was the first one to see Jesus post-resurrection. She was the very first one to share the good news that we are talking about here today. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through her story verse by verse um, out of John chapter 20. But before we do that, I want to pray for our time. So let's do that. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, speak to us today. We are so, so utterly grateful for your resurrection. But give us ears to hear the message that you desire us to hear. Move me out of the way and may your words penetrate our hearts and our minds and our souls. In your name we pray, amen. So here's where we're at. Basically, three ladies are returning to the tomb. Uh, Mary just happens to be one of those. And so they're heading back for one reason and one reason only. And that was that days before, a couple guys prepared Jesus's body for burial. So they wrapped him, they sealed it, they sealed the body, they placed him in a tomb. And these ladies knew that if men had done it, then it probably needed to be redone. And so they're headed to the tomb and they're thinking, who is going to roll? In fact, they're saying, there, who's going to roll the stone away when we get there? And to their surprise, they look and the stone is already rolled away. And so they walk up into there and they see that there is an empty grave, that Jesus is not there. And so immediately what happens is Mary takes off running and she runs back to the disciples and she finds Peter and John. And when she finds Peter and John, she tells them that, hey, Jesus, his body isn't in the tomb anymore. So at that point in time, they decide to split. They take off running for the grave. And I love this. I love that John documents three times in his gospel that he, out, he outran Peter to the grave, <laughs> right? That he was faster than Peter. I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to be like, dude, you are so fast, you know? But he outran Peter to the grave. And what was crazy though, he didn't go in right? He stopped. He hesitated. But Peter, being bold, brash, whatever he is, he ran straight into the tomb. Then John had enough courage to go in after Peter did, and they saw that Jesus was not there. Jesus was not in the tomb. Now, here's what's interesting is that they didn't at that moment in time think that, oh my goodness, he has rose again, even though Jesus talked about it a whole lot. They didn't think about that. They're really wondering what the heck happened to his body. Somebody must have stolen it. They were confused. And so what did they do? They didn't go out and share the word and declare the resurrection. What they did is it actually just went home. Scripture says that they turned and that they went home. But Mary stayed at the grave. And I think she's so glad that she did. And that's where we pick up her story in verse 11. It says this, Now Mary was standing outside the tomb by herself. What was she doing? She was crying. She was crying. Like, she, she's grieving over everything that has happened over the last three days. 
As she wept, she bent over, and Scripture says, to look into the tomb. She knows that Jesus is not in there, right? She knows that Jesus is not inside of the tomb, but I get why that she would look. And, and, and some of you know our story and that we had a daughter um, named Maggie who was diagnosed and then died at three from brain cancer. And what's interesting is that I still do this to this day. When I'm driving by myself and, and I'm thinking about her, I will still, to this day, turn the rearview mirror and look in the back corner where she used to sit. And I, I don't know why I do it. I just kind of think maybe she's there. I'm hoping that she's there. And Mary, in this situation, is hoping that Jesus' body is there. She's not hoping for a resurrection. That's the furthest thing from her mind. She's just hoping that the body wasn't stolen. And so she kind of looks back in, right, just to double check. And here's what it says. It says that she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. They have taken my Lord away, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Mary is hurting. Mary is in pain. All of her eggs were in one basket, and that was following Jesus, and that basket fell, and all of her hopes cracked open on the ground. Three days ago, it was, it was high sailing. Everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, three days ago, hope, everything that she put her hope in, literally died. She's probably in shock. She is absolutely in pain. She is grieving the loss and the sudden severing of everything that she knows and has known for the last few years. Her world is completely turned upside down. She thinks that Jesus' body, like the disciples, has been stolen. So she is confused as well. And so in this moment, she doesn't know what to do, and she doesn't know where to go or what to believe. And so what does she do? She just stops, and she bursts into tears. And she just starts crying because she's hurt. Mary is hurt in this moment. Friends, hurt happens. I don't have to tell you that. Because if you have a pulse, then you have experienced pain. And we know pain around here. We're familiar with it. We have learned to say, it's okay to not always feel okay. Jesus comes and he takes away our sin, but sometimes the pain doesn't disappear until we are up there, jaw-dropped by the beauty and the majesty of eternity and the presence of Jesus Christ resurrected. And so pain still exists. And maybe some of you are experiencing pain right now. Maybe you barely made it into this place. You're all dressed up on the outside, but you're feeling all messed up on the inside. If that is you, I just want to say welcome, like sincerely welcome. This is a safe place to process. Process your pain and to pursue Jesus. This is a safe place. Verse 14. It says, at this she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. Here's where it happens. This is amazing. It was Jesus. But he, or but she, didn't recognize him. 
It's interesting. Couple thoughts here. She didn't recognize him. There's a few times inside of the post-resurrection, inside of God's word, where people ran into the resurrected Jesus, but they didn't recognize him. Now, we're not sure if Jesus' resurrection body looked different from his earthly body. Um, we don't know if Mary couldn't tell who it was because she had tears in her eyes or he, Jesus was off at a distance. We don't know. But what is important is this, is that Mary was chosen. Jesus chose Mary. Out of every human who has ever lived, Mary has the unique place in history of being the first person, the per first individual to see Jesus post-resurrection. This validates a few things. Number one, it validates Mary. What an honor, you guys. Think about that. What a privilege to be the one to see Jesus right after he came out of the grave. That is amazing. What an honor. It validates her. It also validates women. You think that we are breaking cultural norms in this arena as of late, but Jesus was a pioneer. He was a pioneer in this area. He showed love to everyone, no matter what their race, their age, their status, or their gender was. If you were breathing, you were beloved by him. It didn't matter. And that still rings true to this day. Back then, the value of women was just a step above slavery. Truly, women were considered more of a possession whose greatest asset was only worth was procreation. And then you got Jesus right here, choosing Mary. And what he's doing is that he is modeling for us, he's teaching for us, he's showing us that that there is value, not just in Mary, not just in women, but in all human life. And so Jesus, he validates, he chooses Mary, and it also validates, this is crazy, the reality of the resurrection. There were three women to find and first discover the tomb. Mary was one of them. This detail, friends, that you hear, this, you cannot skip over this. This is critical, because if the gospel writers could have taken this detail out that women first discovered the tomb, they would have. They would have taken it out. And the reason why is that in first century women, they had no credibility. A woman's testimony was considered unreliable. Back then, their word didn't hold any weight. In fact, they couldn't testify in court, period. Do you want to know why? the gospel writers said that women were the first to discover the empty tomb? Because women were the first to discover an empty tomb. <laughs> That's why. There's no other reason that that would be written there. In fact, if they could have, they would have taken it out. It would have given them a better case in their day. So now the fact that that is in there, the testimony of Mary, just further evidence of the, the accuracy that was recorded inside of Scripture in these manuscripts that we cling to. Mary was chosen, and it validates a whole lot of things. Verse 15, Jesus right now, he's, he's going to talk to her. He says, woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. And the word woman, how he refers to it, it's not derogatory like it would sound to us today. In fact, back then, that would have been an a, 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 a affirmation. It would have been a kind way to say, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was a gardener or was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have taken him away, tell me. Tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. I love that about Mary. But Mary, 
missed the miracle. At least in this moment, she missed the miracle. Mary missed Jesus, and Jesus was standing right in front of her. I think this is hard for us to put ourselves in her shoes because we have grown up hearing the story of Jesus' resurrection. But you just need to understand that on that first resurrection Easter Sunday morning, resurrection was completely unexpected. Nobody expected nobody. That's good, people. You can tweet that if you'd like it, right? Nobody expected no body, right? That is huge. Everyone expected Jesus to do what dead people do, which is stay dead. No one believed that Jesus was coming back. The disciples didn't believe Jesus was coming back. Nobody was standing in front of the grave going 10, 9, 8, 7, cue the music, 6, 5, none of them. Nobody was doing that because everybody went home. Everybody went home. And so it is completely understandable that Mary missed the miracle even when Jesus was standing right in front of her. My parents took us to Yellowstone uh, when I was a kid. One of my favorite trips that I ever was on was going and traveling through Yellowstone with my family. I remember, it was so great, but I do remember one thing is that my mom, the one thing we needed to see was the buffalo. That's all my mom wanted to see. It's all she cared about, right? You would see, a, you know, anything, like a deer, and she's like, ah, whatever, we need to see the buffalo. So we're always looking for buffalo. And we went, and in fact, we gave them a nickname. We called them buffs. That's what we called them. We were looking for buffs. Anybody seen a buff? Oh, there's a buff. At one point in time, my dad, or my mom, saw a stump, and she goes, it's a buffalo, it's a buff. And it ended up being a stump. And so my dad would not let that go the rest of the trip at all. <laughs> Every time we passed a stump, it was like, hey, look, a buff, you know, and I'm surprised they're still married. But anyway, <laughs> we were looking for buffaloes, for buffs, and we couldn't find them. And then at one point, we're waiting, right, to go on this tour inside of this cave, and we're on the side of this cliff, and there's this big field out in front of us, and we're on the edge of this cliff, and we're looking, and my little sister, who's still in a stroller, starts saying the word buff, 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 buff. Buff, and we're like, no, no, those are deer. There were deer on the horizon, and we could see the deer on the horizon. Those are deer. And she's like, buff, 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 buff. And we're like, no, buffalo are bigger. They look like stumps, you know. Uh, they're, they're out, those are deer out there. And she wouldn't stop. She's like, buff, buff, buff. And what we failed to see, because we were looking on the horizon, was that right below us, over the edge of the cliff, was a herd of buffalo that we were right on top of. They were standing right in front of us, and we didn't see it. Sometimes what we do is we look out on the horizon, and we don't see, looking like what we want to see, but what we need to see is right in front of us, and that's Jesus. Jesus was standing right in front of her, and she failed to see him. She missed the miracle. And I'm telling you right now, this morning, Jesus is closer than you think. You may have tried to push him away. You may th think he ditched you because of what you've done in your life or, 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 the, or the life that you've lived. I'm telling you this, Jesus is right there. He is standing in front of you. I heard years ago someone say that you could walk a thousand miles away from Jesus, but he's always one step back because he's sticking right there with you. He is closer than you think. And my prayer and my hope for all of us this morning is that we wouldn't miss him. 
in the midst of the bunnies and the jelly beans and the dressing up and even coming through to church, let's not miss Jesus on this Easter Sunday. We can't miss him. Now, verse 16, the next verse I'm going to read is the reason that I wanted to speak on this passage. This is amazing. Look at this. Mary is hurting. She's had a long few days, but Jesus is standing right in front of her. She thinks he's a gardener. And so he asks her, why are you crying? And she says, you know, tell me where he is and I will go get him. But look at how Jesus responds. One word. Jesus said to her, one word. Mary. That's it. We don't know how he said it. We don't know the inflection that was inside his voice. All we know that was instantly, when Mary heard her name, she knew who it was. In that moment, she turned toward him and cried, Rabboni, which means teacher. She knew who Jesus was at the sound of her name. And the reason that she instantly recognized him in that moment was because Mary knew Jesus personally. She knew Jesus personally. She was not following a religion, right? She wasn't even following a movement. She was following a person. It's personal. Guys, it's always personal when it comes to Jesus. We're not following a religion. We're following a person, and that person is Jesus, and he is alive. Check out this famous verse in light of the passage that we just read. I think this is absolutely, this is mind-blowing. Look at this. He, being Jesus, he's a good shepherd, sometimes called the good shepherd. He calls his own sheep. That's us. How does he call them? By name. Did you see that? By name. This thing is personal. Mary and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because, oh my gosh, look at that. They know his voice. It is personal. It's always personal. When I was a kid, I got lost in a grocery store. Some of you may have done the same. You wandered away from your mom Or maybe some of you have lost your own kids in a grocery store at a moment in time. I remember, I don't remember the story super well, I just remember how I felt. I remember that she was gone and I had no idea where she was and I was panicked and I was crying and I was upset. And I am running up and down the aisles trying to find her, wondering where she's at, wondering if I will ever see my mom again. The world is crashing in my world and then I hear a voice come from on high. Through the intercom, I hear the voice say, Jacob Goetze, will you please come to the front of the store? Jacob Goetze, will you please come to the front of the store? When I heard that voice, I had such relief inside of me because I knew I was about to be rescued, that my mom had found me. I was lost, but my mom had found me. And friend, Jesus is calling your name today. He is. He is calling you by name because he knows your name. And his voice, you need to hear me on this, is not condemning. His voice is loving. That's what his voice is. I heard this said once. It's it's this. It says, a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Today, Jesus 
is calling your name. Jesus is calling your name. He's saying, Kevin, Kenna, Austin, Mary, Mary. And in the midst of hearing your own name, if I could go through every single person's name in here, you might hear in your name these words and that sound and that singular word. Maybe Jesus is saying, it's okay. It's okay. Or I'm right here. Or you don't have to be scared. Or why not give me a shot? I know he's saying I forgive you. And I'm absolutely certain he's saying I love you. Jesus is calling your name like he called Mary's name. He's saying it. Mary. Eventually, in verse 18, it says this, Mary Magdalene went and found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Right there, Mary was the first person on the planet to share the good news of the resurrection. The old news is still good news. The old news is still good news, you guys, and the reason it is, is the reason the resurrection is good news is because of what it means and what it proves. The implications are incredible. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. Jesus is who Jesus said he was. It's simple. I say this to my kids. My daughter even said it back to me the other night. She said, it's this, as simple as I can put it. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm gonna go with what that person says, right? If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm gonna go with whatever he says. And so what does Jesus say about himself? I'll close with this. He says, I am the resurrection, the resurrection and the life. He is the author of life. He is the giver of life. He is the renewer of life. He that believes in me, so he that trusts in me, he who follows me, he who has a personal relationship with me, Mary, it's personal. Though he were dead, which unfortunately, friends, is gonna happen to all of us at some point in time, yet shall he or she live. That is the old news. The old news that is good news is an invitation. Jesus is inviting you to life. He is offering you life, life to the full, life abundantly, life eternity. Jesus is offering to you personally today life. That, my friends, is the good news. And the old news is still good news. Heck, you guys, the old news is the best news ever. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.